0: Till tonight. So I'm going to I'm going to deliver this sermon. We're mortal once. Right. We're mortal once. Amen. James fourteen and four four fourteen, and I want to read that scripture just before I sorry I threw you a curveball, but it's one scripture, but I want you to go to Job fourteen. James four fourteen is a favorite scripture of Brother Homer's, and you've heard him quote it for so many times for those that were here. Whereas you know that not now, know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while, little time, and then vanisheth away. Brother Homer would use this statement, it's like the vapor over top of a teapot. Job 14 in verse 1. Now this only applies to if you're born of a woman. Amen. So that gets us all. A man that is born of a woman is a few days Notice these next words, and full of trouble. He that cometh forth like a flower and is cut down, he fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. And dost, not thou, dost thou open thine eyes upon such a one, and bringest me into judgment with thee? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean thing? not one, see if his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. Turn from him that he might rest, tell it he shall accomplish as a highland his day. For there is a hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again. That the tender branch thereof will not cease, though the root thereof of wax old in the earth, and stop thereof dying the ground, yet through the scent of water it will bud, and bring forth browse like a plant. But man dieth, and wasteth away; yea, man giveth up the ghost. And where is he? Job's having a conversation about his own mortality with God. That's right. As the waters fail from the sea, and the flood decayeth and dryeth up, so man lieth down and riseth not, till heavens be no more. They shall not awake, nor be raised out of their sleep. Or that uh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave, that thou wouldest Keep me in secret until thy wrath be past, that thou wouldest anoint me, set a time, and remember me. If a man die, shall he live again? All of the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Thou shalt call, and I will answer thee. Thou will have a desire the work of thine hands. You may be seated this afternoon. <clears throat> Quite a question, wasn't it? Job is the oldest writings of the, of the entire Bible, and as a man, he realized he was under the Adamic curse because they'd eaten off of the tree of life, and it looked like to the human element. Man dies, he wastes the way. You know, even if you live to be 900 years old at that time, there came a stage of old age. And that age becomes golden. It becomes very inconvenient. There comes a time in your life to where your life is not out in the world so much until it's kind of it's kind of if we could say it institutionalize even our own homes it 's around a kitchen a a living room a, a a bathroom, and a place to sleep, and you don't go very far from the bathroom <laughs> Are you with me now? I think about people that have great great houses and great, great places that they live in, but at the end of the time, if we come to a place like a nursing home, we've only got a cubicle. Greater our life is. Ronald Reagan was quite a president. Don't wanna get into politics, but he was, he was a well-renowned president. But when it came to the end of his life, his last ten years, he lived in in a in a in a fog. We would know that fog as Alzheimer's, and to which that he still thought he was a president and put on his suit every day. And they they had an Oval Office in his home, to which he went in and worked every day. It was very private. It was very it was very hidden from the world. The family knew, but the world didn't know. But he was coming to the end of his life. Whatever it was, he was coming to the end of his life. Jesus would be the only one that could stand in two dimensions at the same time if we might say that. God became flesh. Are you with me now? God became flesh. And Brother Branham said Jesus was either God Or if he's the greatest deceiver that there ever was. Jesus was standing there with his disciples and he made this phenomenal statement. He said, let not your heart be troubled. We use it as a funeral text many times. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Brother Brandon would say, that's not a place of brick and mortar and stones. It's another body. Hallelujah. Are you with me now? Yes. <clears throat> Jesus took those up on the mountain. And he was set the disciples came unto him and he opened his mouth and and taught them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Verse 13, Ye are the salt of the earth but if the salt has lost its savior wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill which cannot be hid neither do a man light a candle in and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house let your light So shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Brother Branham would use this term. He said, You're reflecting your inheritance. You're reflecting where you came from. Your life here is reflecting another world. When I walk into McDonald's and I sing Green Hair and all different kind of I realize they're reflecting where they come from and where they're going. And I also realize that this is not the hour of judgment. This is the hour of light. And so your presence will Will maybe be a testimony to them and maybe the only witness or sermon they'll ever hear. Amen. Are you with me? So, Brother Random said God produces kind after kind. A cow produces cattle, horses produce horses, camels produce camels. But if God's going to give birth, he produces sons and daughters of God. So Jesus would say, I came from God and I'm going back to God. And if we were in him, that's our same origin and that's our same destination. So we was predestinated to life from before the foundation of the world. So God not only knew our beginning, and our mortality, but he also knew our end. I would use this statement, our future is clear. I like that, our future is clear. Now, we came into this earth and we're born, we're born of woman. So we come through the womb of a woman, and I don't want to go into the birthing of it, but I want you to understand: the mother carries the egg, the father carries the sperm, which is the blood of life. And Brother Branham would say, in one of a million things that are to be future home, he would go the last five sermons. He would talk about the gene seed of God, and he would begin to talk about the groaning of our birth. Birth pains will be a sermon that he'll speak on that. Even Jeremiah will talk about that he knew me before I was even formed in the belly. God knew me. David will talk about that God knew him before the foundation. Even when I was in secret, the scripture will talk about. But our mother will will begin to carry life And we'll get excited about she's carrying life. And then that life will will come to a place to where it's ready to be born. But in that secure world where that baby is born, it don't want to leave mama's womb. So there's a process of dropping to a spot. And you'll hear sisters go, she's dropped. she's dropped. You women t- pay more attention to those girls with that situation than I do. I don't know what they're talking about. She's dropped. It's going to happen in a couple of days. I know that about cattle, so I... And But what is happening? That baby has come to a spot to where it's going to be forced from the womb. Are you with me now? Now, you don't know anything about being in there. Neither do you know anything about being in the mind of God. But how did you know your name? Your mother and father told you your name, and you believed them. How did you know you came from God? God told you, and we believe him. Hallelujah. And we were forced from our mother's womb. Now that's the beginning of mortal life. But on the other end of it, we'll be forced and there'll be a groaning that takes place from this realm to go to that realm. Are you with me? Now, I don't know about you, but I have a deep desire to go there. I have a deep longing to go there. That's my goal. I've never been there, but it's become such a reality to whatever time on my earth, this days, it is about being there. Those words are important. Jesus would say this because he being God in flesh. I am the resurrection and life. What a statement. I am the bread of life. I and my father are one. He would come to a spot to where he would say, I have finished the work. 33 and a half years. What a space of time. Only a condensed space of time. But in the space of that time, it had such a strain and such a stress on that mortal piece of clay until he looked like a man past 50. Why? Because he had the sin of the whole world. The strain of all humanity was on him. And if he doesn't compete, complete or accomplish the work, we're lost. And yet he has to be put under every temptation that man can face. Every strain of devil that man can face. And he has to overcome it all. Now, the scripture says that he would, he would tell and I didn't look this up and forgive me, but he would tell, especially a lady that washes his feet, go, sin no more. In that moment, in that moment of that conversation with the Messiah and that woman, She was changed from a prostitute. You remember, that's how she got the money to come wash his feet. Under the Old Testament, she would have just repeated the process. But under the Messiahship, when he speaks to her, he speaks the life to her. Go and sin no more. That dominion has no more dominion over you anymore. Come on, church. Because he was the breath of life. He was the expression of God, sitting on a piece of clay. And thousands, even millions, saw him in the flesh, but missed who he was. How many people miss who you are? you just think about this. It'd be a prophet that would tell us that you're one in a million. And then he would begin to describe to you that 999,000, that being one in a million, all of those other seeds die. They die. Jubilee happens because one seed comes to life. But that nine, 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 whatever, perish. No funerals. Nobody cries. No weeping, but there's a rejoicing for the one. I want you to just think about this. Brother Branham would use a term. I'm trying to be cautious. Brother Branham would use a term, how that God watched over our seed. He preserved it even since Adam. He would use a term called that we were pre-planned of God. He would say that we're the living, physical attributes of God that he thought of before the foundation of the world. God watched over that. So he knew we were coming. And like a father and mother, they prepare a room. God prepared for you. He's also preparing for you there. The great wedding supper, there won't be one extra seat. but I'd like to just take just the negative side here just for a moment. Brother Branham called all humanity flesh, the unredeemable flesh, fodder. That's a pretty difficult statement, but it's just a reality. For me to describe grace to you, you've got to realize there's a lot of lost. Let me just give you a couple of facts. In the last hundred years, in the battle of war, 108 million soldiers have given their life in the last hundred years. That's a lot of people. It's estimated that one billion people have given their life due to wars since Adam it's a lot of fodder I made this statement in Switzerland a few years ago and Brother Guido was sitting he was sitting there And I turned to Brother Guido and I said, Guido, I don't know your history. About 400 people. I said, Brother Guido, I don't know your history. But when your grandfather was at war, he said, I didn't even know my grandfather was at war. He said, I didn't know that my my grandfather was at war. No doubt he'll watch this service, but He said, I didn't know. He said, but when you said it, that God watched over my natural seed while your grandfather was at war, he said, that became alive to me. He said, my grandfather must have been at war. And he said, God watched over him and not a bullet could destroy his life because he was carrying Dido's seed of life. In about a month or two, Brother Guido sent me a picture, and it was in an envelope. He sent me a picture. Here's my grandfather that was carrying my seed of life. I would say many of us sitting here tonight, whether it was the American Revolution or the Civil War or the wars that we fought of late, our fathers was carrying our life. They can tell where you came from by your DNA markers. They can tell who's kin to who by the DNA markers. They've got it down. But that's not a new thing for God. That's not a new thing for God. God knows all the way back to the beginning. And He knows your time of life. I want you to listen, Brother Branham says this. We're only going to be mortal once. What a statement this is. This is the last time for all eternity we'll ever be mortal. This may be the last night that we'll ever be mortal. Tomorrow we may be immortal. So let's do what we can for mortal beings while we're mortal and can help them. Let's work while it's called day for night cometh when no man can work. God doesn't forget his children. He swore by himself, he said, he said, oh, I just can't go unsatisfied. I mustn't go by myself. These hands will only be mortal once. These lips will only be mortal once. The scripture said the grave can't praise him. My brother, my sister, you will only be mortal once. He said, you don't know how I I would like to take time. Take every man here and go eat with you. Sit down and talk with you. Talk about heaven, about Jesus. I would love to do that. Time won't permit it. But I'll make an appointment with you. When we step out of time into eternity, I I want a 1,000 years with each one of you. And when I get through, I'll have no less time than what I did to begin with. Are you with me? Are you with me now? I get badgered a little bit by my close friends when we're preaching conventions. And I've made this statement before I made it here. Oh, how I'd like to come to your house and maybe drink your coffee, sit on your porch, and eat your chocolates. And the next day at the service, there'll be a box of chocolates. But one day, we'll be in a realm to where we can make that appointment and spend a thousand years together. You ever been around somebody that after five minutes, there's nothing more to say? You can help me preach. After an hour, two hours, some people never run out of words. Just just continue to go on and on and on. Not necessary, I'm still listening. That's where you fix your car. I was together with a special friend the other day, and someone was sharing their life story with them, but I could tell he wasn't clicked in. So after we were gone and that was all over with, I just asked him, I said, where did you click out? And he said, well... (coughs) When they got to a place that was no longer fruitful, I just decided I would try to figure out what I was preaching tomorrow. <laughs> well, now you know some of our secrets. And when we get through, it'll I'll have no less time than when I did when I began. But now it's night, and it's the day of man. Daylight comes, the day of the Lord. Now we must labor. I can't be a servant of man and a servant of God at the same time. I must serve God so I can win men to his creator God so that we can keep that appointment. I read that quote because we must keep that appointment. Many times we, we think, oh, well, I'll break the appointment at the dentist or I'll break the appointment at the, at the veterinarian clinic. I'll break that appointment. One appointment you'll keep. Brother Adam says, we want everything just, just everything so we can take it easy and retire and take life easy. Life wasn't intended to be easy. Life is a struggle. Anything that's got life in it is struggling. Look at the trees how they struggle. Look at everything that's got life. It's a struggle. And when we try to get some kind of a system that takes it easy, then we're wrong. I used to clean a chimney for a man that was at one time the vice president of the Radford Army Ammunition Plant. And I, when I would go, I went there for years. I think I went there 15 years to his place. Every year, he was, he was in the bed. <clears throat> Through the years, you, you build up relationships. I don't know if it was the last year or the year before that. I asked him a question. I said, how did you get here? Because I knew that he was the vice president of the company, And he's a well-looked-up-to man. I said, how did you get up to here? And he said, I'll tell you what happened. When I retired, I give up. He said, I thought my life is over. And he said, I'd go and sit in my car, but I had nowhere to go. And after a while, I got tired of sitting in my car. And he said, I just stayed in bed. That's not even existence. You've got to struggle to keep your life. I don't like a treadmill, but I've, I've understood that it's changed my life. I don't know if it'll add a day or an hour or a week. I don't know anything about that. All I know is there's a time for me. This life, I must try to keep myself in as good a shape. Because I'm responsible to this body. I love Krispy Kreme donuts. I love the things, I love sweets. I I love it as much as anybody else, but I know that that thing can destroy me. So I'm responsible for that which I take in. Somebody help me preach. No anonymous to tell me don't eat that or don't eat that. Let me just say that's the rules of life. Are you with me now? Well, Brother Ron, I can't walk. Walk a hundred yards. Somewhere or another, you can walk two hundred yards. Somewhere or another, walk three hundred yards. Somewhere. Or another, Come on, there's paralytics that decided I'm gonna stand up. And after a while they stood up. They were determined. I'm not going. Is this okay? I was in a home of a man, and I know I'm on un- un- a lie, but this may help somebody. I was in a home of a man that weighed over 500 pounds. He had his computer. He had everything lay- laying right in front of me. I said, what got you here? He said, eating. Yeah. Have you changed your way of habit? No, I continue to eat what I eat, but he can't get out of bed. I said, how do you get your food? They, they bring it to me. I said, stop. You're not doing this man any favors. What about our spiritual diet? What about our children, what they partake of? We're enablers in this day. If we're not careful, we enable the wrong kind of diet. It's a struggle. Well, I'm just gonna give up. I'm just gonna quit. I'm just gonna sit down here and quit. Well, what good's that gonna do you? Eventually, somebody's gonna have to take care of you. Because you're going to meet an appointed time. You've got to fight for life. Don't get mad at me, I'm preaching to you something that's God laid on my heart. You can lay down and die and quit and fold your hands. You can have all the nurses and the doctors and the medicines in the world, but if you're not determined, don't tell me I'm a man that was on eight different kinds of blood pressure medicines. I'm a man that had two, two maybe three heart attacks, two different strokes, one stroke laid in a hospital for eight days. I couldn't stand the light of day. I could quit. I could say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it easy. Well, I grew up beside of a man. When I was, when I was turning about 20 years old, he was retiring. And they said he was the sorriest man that ever worked. Said he didn't want to stress his heart. Said he really didn't want to do anything heavy because he didn't want to stress his heart. Well, you know, time tells you a lot of stories. That man, that man died at 95 years old with a good heart. So he didn't have to worry about his heart. But instead of enjoying life, somebody help me preach. He was afraid to mow his own yard because he was... You know, I sometimes think that way about people sitting in church. You thought I would leave that alone? They crossed their arms and said, "Let somebody, Amen. Us, Amen. Let somebody else worship the Lord. Let somebody else sing. Let somebody else pay their tithes. Let somebody else do the things. This is not a spectator sport." succumb to the idea of slothy, easy living. Are you with me? And just an entertainment gospel, but that's not overcomers of this bright edge. We must have determination and a will to do the Father's will to destroy the works of the devil. Brother Bram said, you're only mortal once. And that one time is the only time that you're going to be mortal. And this may be the time that you've got to make your decision. You're either going to move up with God or stay where you're at. Brother Bram says this. He said, this old earthly tabernacle here, you know what it is? This body is like an old coat that you wear, a coat that you once wear, but now you have one that is so much better, you don't use it anymore. What do you do? You hang it in a closet, for you got a better one. You got a you got a better coat. It's more up to date than the one you used to wear that's worn out. What is it is that? It is that garment, and you are inside of that, there. That garment only done what it bore your image. You won't need that no more. You've hung it up, and it's a rag. That's the way this old body is. Now I know a lot of us prep it and take care of it. You better? It's the only one you got. Amen. Are you with me? I saw a sign the other day. If I knew I was going to live this long, I'd have took better care of myself. It's the only one you got. And that's the way this body is. It's more the image of the heavenly. Yes, it is not you. You're the inside of that body. The spirit of God is on the inside of that body. That's what makes the outside come into subjections because the inside is pulling it, bringing it into line of the word. It's your inside, your inside, your being. This body is just an old coat. And someday, what will you do with it? For you is the garment for a while. That is like this earthly garment, this body. Your real body, your real self is on the inside of this old coat. Brother Bram said, you've never seen me and I've never seen you. I don't care what kind of oils. I better not go there. Someday it will hang in the earth's hall of memory of you. That's quite a statement. Someday it will hang in earth's hall of memory of you. You'll put it out yonder in a grave. And someday we'll be put a stone up Said, here lies Reverend so-and-so or John so-and-so or so-and-so and so-and-so. It will lie there as a memorial of you. The people just seen you in this, what you was, your real you, what was on the inside of that. But that old coat itself just bore the image of the heavenly. Old people, have you made your reservation to, to change your coat? Have you made reservations for heaven? Remember, you must have reservations. You can't get in without them. He said, "I'm talking in modern language now that you know, if you go to a hotel, you have to have reservations." He said, "Did you have reservations?" Well, I'm sorry. everything is filled up. You're the old coat. Because you failed to make reservations. There's nothing more disappointing than preaching a sermon in a funeral to where people haven't made reservations. That funeral is not the time to judge. It's the time to comfort. It's the time to give hope. But you can't do one thing Think about the person in the casket. Ecclesiastes chapter nine and verse four says a living dog, a living dog is better than a dead lion. That's quite a statement. A living dog is better than a dead lion. said, life is a precious thing. In its humblest form, it's greater than death. It is better to be least in the kingdom than greatest outside of it. I want to just nail some things tonight. I'm home. I'm going to nail some things. It is better to be the least in the kingdom than the greatest outside of it. Are you with me? You young girls and young boys that sing, God thinks more of your talent than Lady Gaga. I was in a conversation here a while back and they was talking about this person. Actually, it wasn't long ago, just a few days ago. You can go back and listen. This little 13-year-old girl walks up and she literally blows the congregation away with her incredible, God-given talent. And there were some statements that were made. said, oh, if a talent scout would get a hold of that. And I said, a talent scout would send her to hell. That might seem horrible, but let me just say this to you, it'll put you on a path. It'll put you on a path that'll take you the the wrong way. Oh, wasn't that great that that person won American Idol or won this or won that? No, I'll tell you, that's the greatest detriment that just happened to that individual. They've just signed a contract with Satan himself. I just prayed for a young man that said, I have an opportunity to go pro. I said, Really? He said, I can go pro in baseball. He said, what should I do? I said, you're asking the wrong one. I'm looking for soldiers in the kingdom of God that inherit eternal life. That's what I'm recruiting for. I'm actually a recruiting agent for men that want to serve God for eternity. little things a little differently. I'm, I'm sorry. Sometimes you see stars and their wife, just a trophy bride. And then they've got a monstrous house and maybe a $40 million mansion. But if I could ask you what the Scripture says, what is the end of it? Brother Branham said there were two men, brothers. One was Jen, one was John. He said one lived beside the tracks. The other lived in Chicago. And he was quite a banker. He was quite a top civilized man. He'd had a great education. He'd become the president of a bank. And this one went up to see him. And when he got there, his wife wasn't home. And he said they were standing at the front door and he was showing him everything that he owned, his monstrous house. And he was showing him, he said, if you stand right here, you can see the top of the bank where I'm the president. And he said, this is what all I own. And after a little while, his wife walked in and she'd been out at a party all night long and she was dressed like she'd been at a party. And she walks in. He thought about his own wife and children at home. He couldn't hardly feed them. His wife was trustworthy. She was a real lady. Probably didn't have a new, new dress in her whole closet. Go back and listen to Brother i tell this story. And he's telling him about all that he owned. When he came down to the end, his brother asked him, how much do you own up there? dog is greater than a dead lion. The thief on the cross as he was breathing was greater than Caesar. Come on. What would you give in exchange for your soul think about many years ago, many years ago I was in a meeting and a young man, he said I could go and make more money in a week or two than I could make in a year here. But they have to be away from home. And they live a completely different lifestyle. I just simply ask him, why are you asking me the question? Actually, your brother-in-law was standing beside of me, Paula Fontaine, when I answered this young man's question. We wrestle our will and God's will. But to me, it's no match. To me, it's no match. You gained the whole world and you've lost your soul. What do you have? Homer would say, no you hoss, behind hearses. A man remarked one time, he said, if he knew that he had 30 years of life before him, it would not be an unwise thing to spend 20 years of those years of the 30 mapping out a plan of living and putting himself under rule for what he could do with 10 years well arranged than 30 years spent haphazardly. Amen. A man will do little by himself if that life isn't channeled by God. Amen. Amen. I found this last week, and, or actually three weeks ago. It just kept resounding back to me, and I don't want to share this with you. <clears throat> Spurgeon shares this. He says, "There are hounds upon the track of every thief, murderer, liar, in foot upon every sinner of every kind. Each sin leaves a trail the dogs of judgment will be sure to send it out and find their prey. There is no disentangling yourselves from the meshes of guilt. No possibility of evading the penalty of transgressions. Very wonderful have been the ways in which persons who have committed crimes and have been brought to judgment A trifle becomes the telltale. The method of deceit gives a clue of the manner of discovery. Wretched the men who bury their secrets in their own bosoms. Their own conscience plays traitor to them. Your sins will find you out. We have read of men taking their sleep to their fellows and babbling in their dreams the crime that they committed years before. God would have the secret disclosed. No eye has seen, neither could other tongue have been bold. But the man turned king's evidence against himself He has thus brought himself to judgment. Listen, only the blood of Jesus Christ can remit sins. Are you with me? Spurgeon said, do I address anyone who is now practicing a secret sin? You would not have me to point you out for the whole world to see, nor do I. Believe me, that sin is known. Can I read that to you again? Spurgeon is preaching to 12,000 people at his auditorium, Metropolitan Auditorium. And he's just made these statements before. And he said, do I address anyone who is now practicing secret sin? He was not a prophet like Brother Branham. But Brother Branham could stand there in the prayer lines and see your entire life. Brother Busco said I was sitting on the log, and he said he was as though he was looking right straight through me. You know, and you've had special moments in time where God became so real, you knew you couldn't hide anything. I'd like to say this to you. Deal with it now. He said, you would not have me to point out you out to the whole world. Nobody, nobody wants to be shamed or blamed. Or, n- nobody wants to be, and we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. But you know. Amen. Can I say that and you know? And he said, believe me, the sin is known. Are you with me? I knew you wouldn't be shouting tonight. <laughs> Brother Ann said, you might have to make your decision tonight. If it is, I pray that you'll throw everything, you'll throw everything loose. Remember, I don't care what it is. If it's a job, if it's a family, if it's loved ones, if it's associates, if it's your partners, whoever it is, turn loose of everything. Even that, he that puts his hand to the plow, and turns to look back, is not worthy of the plowing. Lay aside every weight, and the sin which does so easily beset you. What is it, lay aside every weight? The unbelief that does so easily beset you, and run this race with the patience that is set before you. Nobody else can run for you. Nobody else can take your place. You can't take Billy Graham's place. Billy Graham can't take your place. <coughs> Choosing of a bride, Brother Brown says, in many things of life we're given a choice. The way of life itself is a choice. We have a right to make our own way. Choose your own way that we want to live. Education is a choice. We can choose whether we're going to be educated or whether we're not going to be educated. That's a choice that we have. Right and wrong is a choice. Every man, every woman, every boy and girl has to choose whether... They're going to try to live right or not live right. Choice is a great thing. Your eternal destination is a choice. And maybe tonight some of you will make that choice of of where you'll spend eternity. This is coming from choosing of a bride. He said, before this service ends tonight, there'll be one time that if you turn God, turn down, turn God down many times, There will be one time that you'll turn him down the last time. Oh, Brother Ron, God dealt with me, but I escaped it. And he may never deal again. He said there is a line between mercy and judgment. Billy Andrews stood in his pulpit many years ago. And he said he was preaching in a tent meeting. And he was coming down and he was preaching and he was preaching. And, and he came down to the altar call and he started counting 10, 9, 8. And two kids, teenagers that were dating, two kids got up and was very irreverent. And they walked out the tent. And he said, stop it's your last time. I'm pleading with you, come to God. I'm only telling this story, help me. And they laughed at him. As a matter of fact, one of the deacons went to those children, those people said, he's calling you, it may be your last time, and they laughed at him. And they went down the road less than five miles. And they missed a stop sign and ran into a cliff. And it was 54 inches from the front bumper to the back bumper. For more than once. I sat in a restaurant. Brother Mike Price and myself sat in a restaurant and the man said, he was there when Elvis Presley sat in that, and he pointed at a, at a corner. Said he'd sit in that corner right over there and play music. And said there'd be a lot of people come to play music with him and they would dance and he would sit there, he was a boy. I was sitting in that restaurant, no Elvis Presley. Amen. Only a memory. And in the dimension where he's at, There's no mercy. But you remember there were three preachers that dealt with him before he died. And he told all three of them, I sold my birthright for popularity and money and women. He told them all those three things and I can't get back to God. What a place. I don't want to be in that spot. I don't know who I'm reaching after tonight, but God's in a business. Brother Ron, I've been 40 years serving the Lord. I do it with all my might. You're not the fish I'm trying to catch tonight. Are you with me? But I want you young people, even older people, to realize every service. Give it everything you've got. They was a cure for sin but men tampered, tampered with it changed the mode of baptism took away the deity of Jesus Christ and who he really was they took an experience of God and made it a handshake or put your name on a book or become a part of our society yeah, okay. Come a part of our work yeah. you must be born again I was writing these notes down this week and I thought about what heaven will be. You gave me a CD just a moment ago and I looked down and it it caught my eye. Let me just say this to you. In heaven, there will not be one adulterer. Not one. In heaven, there will not be one murderer. And you can make out your own list because I'm not going to give the list. There will not be one there. There will be none of them there. Brother Homer, Brother Billy Andrews, others have said it. Henry Green would say it. I'll repeat it. Not one bobbed haired woman there. Said, because of what heaven is, it's not this earth, that's heaven. There won't be one rock and roll party there. Country stars won't be recognized there. I know a lot of us, we get a certain idea of who's great and who's not great. I'll tell you what, what man calls great, God calls foolish. Brother Branham had an experience that was beyond the curtain of time. Do you mind if I just take the time to read this in just a moment? He just breaks in. I'm just going to break into the vision or actually translation. He says, I was watching, and every one of those women coming up and hugged me, saying, "Oh precious brother, we're so glad to see you." And I thought everyone dressed just alike, but they had their hair, you know, red hair, black hair, blonde hair. They was coming by, and they was all young. And when she got to me, I thought, "I'm just going to see what she says." she looked at me and she said, our precious brother. She hugged me and just went on. And the other woman came and hugged me next. I heard a noise. I I looked over this way and here come another bunch of men, young, young fellows, all in the age of about 20. They had dark hair, blonde hair. They all had white robes on, barefooted. And they run to me and begin to hugging me and hollering, precious brother. And I thought and I turned back around and there I was still laying there and I thought, oh, this is strange. And just then a voice was talking to me and I never did see it. the voice. It said, you have been gathered. You have been gathered to your people and, and, and then some man picked me up, set me up this way in a, a big high thing like this. I said, why did you do that? in earth, you was a leader I said I, I don't understand this and the voice was talking to me I, I never could see the voice now it was just above me it was talking to me I said well if I had passed on I want to see Jesus he was so he was all my life and I want to see him and so he said you can't see him now he is a little higher. You see, it was just below the altar, the sixth place where men go, not the seventh where God is in that seventh dimension. It was the sixth. And they were, they were all there and they were passing by and looked like they were just actually millions of them. I never seen them and I sat there and these women and men running by and hugging me, calling me brother. And I sat there and and that voice said, you have been gathered to your people like Jacob was gathered to his people. I said, all these, my people, are they all Branham's? No, they're your converts to Christ. And I looked around and there were real pretty women ran up and she just about, about the same and she threw her arm around me and she said, oh, my precious brother. She looked at me and she said, My, she looked like an angel as she passed by. And the voice said, didn't you recognize her? No, I didn't recognize her. You led her to Christ when she was past 90. You know why she thinks so much of you? That pretty girl was past 90. You're talking about laying off an old coat. that pretty girl was past 90 listen to Brother Branham that pretty girl was past 90 yeah she can never change no more now I got a lot of thoughts right here got a lot of thoughts one of those thoughts is I've got more to go to heaven for than I had yesterday I think of Sister Benton just now. She's just on this dimension, breathing her last breaths. Maybe even tonight, maybe already gone since service started. Breathing her last breaths. She's no more conscious. She's done past that stage of consciousness. But it's not over. And the man that sang in this pulpit for years and years and decades I just want to be a blessing. I just want to be a blessing. He would sing it and some days maybe you even thought, will he ever quit singing that song? And somebody would get happy about it and, and he, he'd start and he'd go and he'd sing it again. And, and if somebody else got blessed, he'd sing it again. And Maybe some of you were bored, others were made happy. And he told his wife just two days ago, he said, it won't be long now and I won't be far behind. Why, we've heard about a dimension where an 80-year-old woman steps into a new body. And even Brother Branham couldn't recognize the woman that he led to Christ just just only a matter of time ago. And now he can't even realize who she was. Oh, Brother Ron, but that's Brother Branham's story. Well, let's just take the scripture. Two men on the road to Emmaus and they walk with Jesus for six hours and can't recognize him. I say many times people have come to this church and sat in these pews and went through service and maybe you thought it was almost like rapture and they went, I didn't get nothing out of it. Depends on which dominion you're feeding from. Mr. Carol Kenzer, been a precious friend of our family for many, many years. Sam and I started out ministering together. And he preached, a phenomenal preacher. About 60 years old, he goes up and gets in the tree stands with his grandsons. And he gets in the, in the tree stand. But today would be his last day. It's a very hard thing on his grandchildren. They didn't know it was his last day. You know, sometimes we just don't know. Sometimes we have an idea. Sometimes we don't know. One morning I got up and the Lord spoke to me and said, it's time to go to Brother Steve's bedside today's the last conversation you'll have. You don't know what it felt like to drive down that driveway. And I knew the few moments that I would have with him would be our last. You're talking about making it effective. He sat there, Brother Jeff, I'm sure you can remember this. He sat there and he said, remember that vision you had about 20, 30 years ago with me? And I said, yes, Steve. He said, remember, I got there first. I was walking down the road with Thomas and a man named Jim and a man named Dan Dyer. Jim about real men and I'm walking down the road and we come to a spot and there stands Steve and he's standing there and he said I'd like to give you some angel food heavenly man I was sitting talking to him in a wheelchair and I was thinking about many years ago way before I was ever a pastor here God told me that we would meet in eternity and he also told me in that vision whether I even recognize it or not he would beat me there and now I'm having a conversation with him about a vision that I had almost 30 years before you're talking about blending of time and eternity and Steve and I conversated for a bit and They were setting up the bed, and you remember, they were setting up the bed in the room, setting up the bed, and he just knew his time was close, his time was at hand. Listen, they listened to Brother Branham and sermons all through the night. He's a believer. And remember, we we took the video of Brother Homer preaching his memorial service while he was in Fontaine. We got him dressed up and combed his hair He forgot to put his teeth in. If you remember, he preached about about 12 minutes if I have it right. And do you have that? Do you guys have that? Uh, Okay, make sure you have that. Brother Homer preached and he said, may during this service something supernatural happen because Steve was a believer. You may think I'm out on a limb, but we're only mortal once. We're only mortal once. And while Andrew was preaching here, and he was preaching, the pillar of fire came across your flower, Sister Judy, and the bulbs just opened up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you with me now? Your last breath here is the first one there. I'd say we're winners. I thought, Oh, my, Brother Bram says, Oh, my. And I was afraid of this why these people are real. They wasn't going anywhere. They wasn't tired of being there. Why can't I see Jesus? Well, well, now he will come someday and he'll come to you first, and then you'll be judged, and these people are your converts that you have led. You mean by being a leader? That he'll judge me, yes. Does every leader have to be judged like that, yes. What about Paul? He'll have to be judged with his. Well, if, if, if his group goes in, so will mine. I'm just about done now, because I preached exactly the same word, and that's it. Were he baptized in Jesus' name, I did too. And millions screamed out all at once, said, we're resting on that. <laughs> i like to say I'm standing here tonight and being mortal once. I want to preach as long as God gives me strength. And let me just bring a couple of thoughts together to finish this. I don't want to do it haphazardly. I don't want to come to church just for the thing to do or it's a good thing to be thought of. I want to give my whole heart. My whole heart. I want to give everything that I have. Houses will come and go. Cars will come and go. Grass will come and go. Jobs will come and go. Things of life will come and go. But this is the eternal thing that we're doing tonight. Moms and dads, teach your children how important this place is. How sacred this place is. At any moment, it could be your special night. Your special night. I'll be gone, Brother Ray is next week because I've got unfinished business there. But many years ago, I stepped down like I'm stepping right now. There was a man walked up, and he said, "I've left the Amish community. You've heard me tell this before. I've left the Amish community, and I've lost my business. I've lost everything. My back is shot. It's gone. I need help." He's a man my height. I look right into his eyes. You know, you can tell a man, a man is at that spot. If I don't get help tonight, I don't know where I'll be tomorrow. And I'll never forget the statement that came out of my lips. So what is your hobby? And he said, I have, I have a real small greenhouse. I really enjoy it. I prayed for his back for his greenhouse. And now his greenhouse is the biggest greenhouse in Ohio. Not because a man had the ability but because of a man was standing at the right place at the right time when Jesus came. Can I tell one more story? This is where I get in trouble sometimes. I was sitting in a Chinese hotel. I'm not going to tell you the name. But I sat in a Chinese hotel, and I was sitting in the room of, of a brother that's very precious to us. And a brother from Canada and a brother from China was doing business together, and they wasn't surviving They wasn't making ends meet and this was a last ditch effort in their business and it seemed like everything was gone. And we would go to a meeting and we'd been in two weeks of meetings and now we've come to the end and I'm sitting there just totally toast. And I'm actually sitting on a window well. Well. Thomas, you and I, we clean chimneys together, and I always enjoyed sitting on the hearth of a chimney. I talk to the customers, maybe preach to them, maybe we talk about life, and I just find a place to sit down. I've never had the ability to sit Indian style on the floor, but I'm close whether I'm standing or sitting. So, and I was just sitting on that window well, and I'm just sitting there, and and they're just busy in the room, and about 30 people had been in the room only just only moments before, and they'd preached in the room because we'd preach in service, we'd preach in rooms. And, and the brother was just standing there. And God spoke to me, said, Bless his business. And I stood in a little circle about this size. And I said, God just spoke to me that He's going to bless your business. I took both of their hands and I held their hands. I just got a request only a couple of weeks ago, pray for them, they've got so much business they don't know what to do with. In both of these cases, I'm not talking about pennies. I'm talking about mega dollars. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Money don't mean nothing to God. Are you with me? Homes don't mean anything to God, but he said he bless you. But I wanna tell you, you put God first in your life. And if we're mortal once, let's put God first in our lives in everything. You God bless you. God bless you. I apologize for not feeling so well, but I want to give my best whether I feel well or don't feel well. I went to Switzerland this year. And I preached a sermon on I have no regrets. I have no regrets. Because I've used this policy in my life. Every day I want to serve him with everything that's within me. Every day is not a church day. But it's a day that I can pray. It's a day that I can study. It's a day that I can get along with God. No, every day's not a hundred bore, 100%. There's days of rest. And I think we need days of rest at times. But even in those days of rest, do the right thing. There's a song that says, I'd rather have Jesus Amen. than anything.
1: That's it. Amen.
0: Do we have the words to that song? Amen. Amen. I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus. You've been asking for me to sing a song. I, I want to sing a song tonight. Is this
1: okay? Yeah. I'd rather Let's
0: stranger the other day at church he'd never been in that church before and he just looked over at me with his gloved hand and shook my hand and he said I don't know if you've ever been told this big X on the diary that day and he said today the light died in my world he took down all the pictures of his wife all the pictures of his mother forbade his children to ever call her name again because he didn't know Jesus This is only the beginning. I look around at my children and I've told them for my life. I've got Brother Branham's images and pictures and our Lord Jesus' images. I said, it's good to know who William Branham was, but it was even more important to know the God that lived inside of him. It's important to know me, but it's really important to know the God that lives inside of me.
1: That's
0: the important part tonight. It's important to come to this service, but the most important thing you can have is to know him. Brother Ron, this is the simplest sermon I've ever heard. What did you do with the last 24 hours? what did you do with the last 24 hours? It's a small sampling of what you've done with your life. What will you do with the next 24 hours? I know many of us don't have very big plans. But whatever it is, I wanna serve God with it. Could you just help me now? Cause you're only mortal once. And I'd say just as much as I'm sitting at that table and Brother Tim Pruitt utters those words across the table and he said, remember we're only mortal once that jumped into my heart for now three, four weeks just over and over again I, I don't mean to be reflective of it now but I want to say this to you what have we done with our lives? what have we done? what have we done with our life? Brother Andrew, what you pray? What you sing? God bless you tonight. God bless you.
1: Break me, Lord, and bless the broken pieces of. Ciao. save you, nor satisfy your soul, unless you got salvation, my friend, you missed it all. Sunday, and to revival too, even learned to love my neighbor, and all of my enemies too. You never really lived till you know the Lord, till you felt his presence, you trusted in God's